Welcome to Mox on the Mic, your exclusive look into all things Chattanooga athletics. Here's your host, Chris Goforth. Some big news from UTC Athletics recently. Mike Royster, Chattanooga's Assistant Athletic Director for Equipment and Facilities, announced his retirement after 47 years at UTC. Some weeks back before this announcement, we visited with Mike in his McKenzie Arena office filled with UTC football helmets from over the years and plenty of Mox memorabilia to discuss his more than four-decade career with Chattanooga Athletics. This week on Mox on the Mic, we sit down with the Chattanooga Institution, Mike Royster. Before we get to to kind of your career and and your time here, because you've been in this for a while, I know you're on some advisory boards for some some different organizations. Uh, advancements have been made in football helmets. Uh, I feel like we've come a long way in really in recent years, maybe in regards to concussions. How much better is it now? How how close are we to to really being able to to get a handle on concussions in football? Well, I think it's probably a hundred percent better than it than it was. The, the you have to look at everything. I mean, as opposed to when I first started in this business, the players are bigger now, they're faster now, and that that's a factor in the concussion thing. And then you you go with that that, that second helmet there, that old Rydell uh, suspension helmet. I mean, you look at it, and there's basically there's nothing, and uh, and the padding and how it's gotten better and changed, and how they the the padding and the, the different ways they make the padding. That's what's you know helped everything, and it's keeps getting better. It's never going to be a hundred percent. It's never ever, and uh, you know the concussions are going to be a part of the game probably forever, uh, but at least. You know, it's starting to go down a little. You came to UTC from St. Andrews School in in Swanee. Now, in addition to being the uh, the equipment guy there, you were the you were also the trainer, uh, as well as being an on field coach, as well, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. What led you to move away from? I mean, that's one of those things. A lot of times, once once coaching gets into you. A lot of times it's hard to step away from it, from that. Well, uh, the way it all happened was there was a bunch of us sitting around one day and there was some some salesmen. There was a salesman there and some other people and and you and we just got to playing that what if game. And, and I knew, you know, I'd finally become – come to the realization that if I wanted to coach or if I wanted to move forward in this business, I needed a degree, which I did not have. And I'd had every opportunity to have one, but I didn't, you know, people were trying to teach me, but I just, I was trying harder not to learn. And, uh, you know, I, I got a, out of St. Andrews, when I graduated from there, I went to Columbia State Junior College, and I was, uh, you know, they didn't have football, but they had baseball and basketball, and they were pretty good in both those sports, especially baseball. And 
I was the trainer and equipment manager there for everything. And so after I finished two years there and my scholarship was done, I uh, went back to St. Andrews for a year and uh, uh, it's kind of a long story. We got time. All right. So I went back to St. Andrews and at the end of the way private schools work, and I think mostly they still work the same way. And when spring break came around, if you were going to be extended a contract, you you would know it at spring break. And then usually the the deal was you sign your contract and return it at, at the end when spring breaks over. And that's, that keeps going. So, the rumor had, was going around that everybody that had been hired that year was n- not going to be renewed because they were running, they had money problems. And so I didn't expect to have a contract, but I went up to my mailbox, you know, the last day of, you know, before we all leave for spring break and I got a contract in my box. So I signed it and turned it back in. And, uh, when we got back from spring break, the, Headmaster and the AD, they called me in and they said, hey, uh, there's been a mistake. <laughs> and I said, well, I kind of figured that, but I, I wasn't sure because, you know, I said, it's no big deal. I'm not going to hold your gun to your head. I mean, I, I, y'all been good to me and I, I, I accept that. And uh, there was a, a student. And his daddy, his daddy uh, didn't want me to leave. I mean, he, he said, he basically told the headmaster, look, I'll, I'll take care of his money situation if y'all give him a place to live. And and they gave me a place to live. And, you know, I could eat in a dining hall, so I had, you know, I had that much covered. Uh, wasn't the greatest food in the world, but it was food. And... Uh, so I stayed for another year and uh he got me a job believe it or not teaching 5th and 6th grade at a a place in Grundy County in the Grundy County school system and back then you could get a certificate uh a teaching certificate provided you could prove you were working towards getting your degree and and I was, I was still, I, you know, I was going to school at uh, Montlow, you know, trying to get my degree because I basically came out of <laughs> Columbia State with nothing. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the, so the need, you know, I, I like I said, I finally came to the realization and, uh, so I met Pat, my wife. She worked at the Mont Eagle Diner, and uh, she was a waitress. And, and uh, we uh, we got married, and I finished the school year, and then I got I got a job selling sporting goods in Nashville with Tom Baldur's Sportsman Store, which is a pretty big operation at the time. I mean, there's Nashville Sporting Goods, which is a, still a big operation. It's it's owned by BSN now, but mm-hmm. 
it was owned by Mr. Nipper at the time, and and uh, Mr. Nipper, and Mr. Ballers, they kind of went head to head, and they, you know, they were. Rivals, yes, they were rivals, and uh, so I went. We went to Nashville. Pat got a job working for the Federal Reserve Bank in Nashville, and I was working for Mister Baldridge and uh, doing pretty good. And and I don't know. I mean, after it got closer to the football season again, and I got to thinking. You know, this isn't really what I don't really I enjoy it, but I don't really enjoy it. This is not what I want to do for the rest of my life. So I got a call from St. Andrews, Bill Stetson, who was the AD and the head football coach. He wanted to know if I'd be interested in coming back up there to work. And I said, yes. <laughs> and I said, how soon do I need to be there? And he said, uh you know, he gave me the dates and everything. So we moved up there, and and uh, and this. Then we get to the spring of was about seventy two, I guess. That's when I came here, and uh, I think that's right. And uh, we were sitting around playing that what if game. Well, there's a guy sitting in there, a salesman named Jim Jarvis, who worked in the who who worked in the Hamilton County school system for a long time. He was assistant principal and AD out at Udawa. Yeah, the football field at Udawa is in, named after him. Is it? Yep. Well, it ought to be. I mean, he's a, good, a great guy. Anyway, uh, I, I, I made the statement, you know, I wished I'd have gone to school when I went to school, and I wished I'd continued until I was through. <clears throat> and he said, well – he said, listen, I call on the University of Tennessee at Chattanooga, and they really need somebody really bad. They got nobody. And uh, let me go down there and talk to them, see what I can do. And it's one of those conversations you have, you know, you go, yeah, yeah, yeah. When he left, everybody went, yeah, you'll never hear from him again. <laughs> but <laughs> I, he called me the very next morning. I was still in bed. And he said, how soon can you get down here? And I said, well, I got to take a shower, you know, but I can be there in three hours, I guess, or less. And he said, well, just go to the athletic department at UTC and see Coach Joe Morrison, who was the head football coach. So I didn't know I didn't know there was a University of Tennessee at Chattanooga, and I didn't know Joe Morrison from, from a hot dog. I mean, I had no clue who he was at the time. And I came, I came in, I pulled in, and at the time the the athletic department was in a Quonset hut kind of thing over there on the on the hill above, just on a upgrade kind of, not not necessarily a hill, but from the parking lot between McClellan Gym and and what there were some houses over there yep. that ran up vine street couple, yep. about three houses and i pulled up walked up to and came in and told miss jackson who i was there to see and she said well he's over in the football locker room and they directed me how to get over there and i went over there and he and and uh jolie dunn and henry sorrell were over there were working and trying to god it looked like a hurricane might have gone through it 
I mean, it was unbelievable. And I thought, and I mean, I was just sitting there thinking, holy crap, what have I got myself into? <laughs> but Coach Morrison, I mean, I don't know what Jim Jarvis told him. Jim's never told me, but he must have told him something because I'm telling you, he wanted me to come to work right then. And I, we went back over to his office, and, and he said, I'll give you a scholarship. And we'll pay, you know, you'll get a stipend check every month. He said it's not huge, but you can get by. And my dad was ran Blue Cross and Blue Shield, and he ran the Nashville office, Middle Tennessee. And so I knew he could get my wife a job at Blue Cross here. So I, I, I felt like, you know, we can make this work. I mean, uh, the stipend's not a lot of money, but what the heck. You know, I'm getting an education, and uh, they gave you – you got a stipend check. I don't even remember how much it was, but I'm telling you it was, it was little – it was called a married scholarship. It was little or nothing. And you could take uh, one meal a day in a dining hall, which I use as lunch. And, uh, and so we came down here. She got a job at Blue Cross, and we went to work. And uh, – been here 47 years now so in the interview the interview for you took place in the chamberlain field locker room huh no it wasn't the chamberlain field it was in the old uh mcclellan gym that's where the locker room was and uh here i swear i swear to you there's no interview whatsoever i ain't <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't know i mean it's kind of like I, I don't know what spark. I don't know what he was thinking. I have no idea. All I know is we got along great from from then on. Every day. I mean, I never had a problem uh, that I couldn't go talk to him about, and he would help me with or, or advise me, and and we were pretty tight knit. I mean, me and him and Joe Lee Dunn were pretty tight knit together. That's a couple of good coaches. Yeah, really good coaches. Yeah. And, I, I, you know, like I said, I, I had no idea. I really honestly had no idea how good a pro football player he was until he had one of those NFL highlight films. Mm -hmm. And he brought it down one night. And they came up with this idea of showing it to the team. And so they they showed there was a wall in there and – and they just showed that movie to them. And it, it, you could see them. I mean, they were just – they just went wild. And we went out and played Appalachian State and beat them like 72 to – I can't even remember what it was. It was it was bad. I mean, we, we couldn't do anything wrong. They couldn't do anything right. It wasn't that they, – they were bad. We just made some unbelievable plays that – you know, we probably would never never made again, but and had a good day. Of course, we, you know, at, towards the end of the seventies, we we had some pretty good football teams Very too, good. and uh, they'd done some serious recruiting, and we had some kids from up north, and blended with some kids from the south, deep south. Jolie kind of got the kids from the south, and Cotite and Tafoni and them. Got the kids from the north, and we just kind of took off. And he, 
he was, uh, I mean, like I said, it was just a lot of fun. I, I got a lot of great memories of this place and, and, uh, it's always, I mean, the university has always been good to me. So you take the job here. How you, you talk about stepping into a locker room that looked like a hurricane hit it. How bad was it when you got here? As <laughs> it was pretty bad. It was pretty bad. But to be honest with you, it was that equipment room and McClellan gym wasn't much bigger than this room right here. And and there was so much stuff in there so i mean it was just it just needed to be straightened out and organized a little bit and we got it organized we i put uh dowel rods up on us it had ceilings that went up and you could i put dowel rods across those things and you could put shoes up there I mean, you just had to be imaginative about organizing. I, I talked. Took me a year, but I talked Coach Marson to give me a little bit of that to, to build, help build me a room, and he built me a room. Just a little. I mean, it was a little bit wider than because I was. A, it had a door. And then it had racks all the way that we could hang stuff on, and and it was packed. I mean, cause we, I mean, I had men's and women's basketball and football and wrestling, everything. I mean, just did the best we could what we had. I mean, I, I mean, you just had to. I mean, there wasn't anybody, there wasn't a golden rod out there that's going to give you any money. So you just did what you could, with what you had. Best football team you've seen here? That's a tough question. I, I don't – I mean, I, I know there's been elements of this and that and the other. I would say when when uh, Marandino back then in the 70s, late 70s, the, they, we were pretty dang good. Back then, I mean, they had Pete Pallera, uh Joe Potosa, uh, had a real good offensive line, a real good defense. Uh, pretty good. That, that, that group was pretty doggone good. Now, is it Pete Pallera that went on and worked for the Yankees? He's work. He works for. The, he runs Yankee Stadium. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Now that's kind of. Along the lines of what sort of in line with, with with what you do here to a degree, how often do you guys talk? Uh, do, do you guys still stay in touch? Yeah, yeah they they come down about every other year. They'll a bunch of them from up there will come down for homecoming one time a year. You know, uh, yeah, we get together. It's it's always fun. But uh, no, no, he's he he runs the stadium. I mean, he's not the equipment; he just runs the stadium. Right. And uh, there's another uh, Schaefer 
who or uh, I can't remember his name exactly, but he runs he he owns a company that services the escalators and elevators and and the, and they so they see each other all the time and they now <clears throat> Potosa still lives here in Chattanooga he stayed here he works for TVA uh and at Super Bowl every year they all get together they they go up they go up above New York somewhere to some place and they uh they all get together and just and have a ball. I, I just never have been able to go, but I'm going to go one of these days, probably. I hope. <laughs> there have been some personalities that have come through here, not just as football coaches, but basketball coaches and and just in, in all these sports. Yeah. A few of your favorites you've dealt with. Well, of course, Coach Morrison was in football and – uh I, I, to be honest with you, there's not anybody that I didn't didn't like. I mean, they've all been fun in their different ways. You know, every one of them different personality, different way of doing things to to an extent. Uh, you know, and you just. You know, there's Mac and foot and basketball, and you know back when Mac was the coach, and and uh, really started when uh, Murray was the head coach. I started handling. I don't, I don't even remember how I got into it, but I got to handling. I got to handling football travel eventually, and then eventually I got to handle men's basketball travel. And uh, I guess nobody, I, the job wasn't getting done really good. And I just have, I'm, I'm just a very organized person. I don't, I may not be that way anymore, but I was. And, and I, I took those over. And, and so I was pretty close to those guys because we had to deal pretty closely with each other about when we're, you know, where we're going, when we're going to eat. What do you want to eat? You know, how you want to travel? You want to fly? You want to go by bus? or And you want to stay in this hotel, that hotel, whatever, you know. Uh, Murray was the kind of guy that liked to take the team out to he, – he would go out and eat every meal if he could. And he never – he didn't really care – about what they ate as long as they ate what they ordered. He, and he told them, he said, you know, you can order anything you want, but you eat it. If I see that you're not eating, I'm stopping that. And they they did. They ate what they ordered sometimes. Whew. But, uh, yeah, we went, we went uh, let's see, we were in the NIT, and we went to play Lamar. And we we beat them that night, and they came. We came back to the hotel, and the ho- they had a seafood buffet, and it was expensive. And they went. <laughs> some of them, some of them went in there and ordered lobsters, <laughs> <laughs> and 
you know, because he told them they could. And he said, you know, look, go ahead. I, you know, you played, you won, you worked hard, or you, you earned it. So, they, uh, and it, it, between the seafood buffet and uh, ordering a lobster on top of that, the check got pretty big. So, <laughs> I, uh, you know, not not trying to be dishonest, but trying to make the state has regulations out how much money you can spend per meal. You can only spend so much per person per meal. And so we were way over that allotment. So I had the hotels. I asked them if they could split the thing up and make it look like two meals. And then I could make it work. And they said, yeah, well, so I left there thinking we were in good shape. So we got back, and I'm sitting around waiting, and no bill, no bill, no bill. Finally, I call out there, and I find out that apparently corporate came in there and fired everybody the day after we left. So every agreement that I'd had with them was out the window because nobody was there left there that knew what the agreement was. So they sent the bill, and, of course, it it looked as bad as it was, and I didn't know that we had the bill yet, but uh, and uh, so eventually Coach Wilkes called me over to his office and I, he showed it to me and I said, well, here's what – I just told him the truth. I mean, here's what happened. I said, I, you know, I didn't know what else to do. I just – I asked him to split the thing up and we'd make it look – so it looked more doable or believable or whatever. And, you know, he got it, and he just said, all right. So he talked I'm – sure, I'm sure he talked to Murray about it, but we eventually got that cleared up. I mean, it. And, you know, we didn't do anything illegal. We didn't do anything, you know. Uh, so, I mean, it, eventually it got paid, and they got I, – I, I, this is honest truth. We went to Memphis – to play Memphis and we stayed at uh, I, don't, I don't know whether it's a Hilton or it's a Marriott but it's at the airport it's on the airport property it's a nice place good hotel they took really good care of us and we got back weeks go by and never got a bill Months go by, and I still ain't gotten a bill. Well, now years have gone by, and I still ain't gotten a bill. I never got a bill. We stayed, The whole football team stayed there one night, Friday night. We ate Friday night dinner. We ate breakfast Saturday morning and pregame meal and never have received a bill from them. But I ain't calling them. <laughs> I, I mean, you know. They got my address and everything, my phone number too. And I can't believe that nobody's ever said anything about that, but that's the truth. That's a, that's a true statement. A road trip in football is a lot like moving an army. Yeah, it is. Uh, tell us a little bit about what, what all goes into when, when Chattanooga football goes on the road. Well, you know, the first thing we have a list that we send – 
the hotels, these are the things we're going to want. And if you can do them, give us a bid. If you can't, just ignore it. We also use a company that helps us find hotels. But you, I mean, you know, you got to look at the meals. Here, here's the meals we want, and and the times that we're gonna want them. And we need this meeting, these many, this many meeting rooms, however that is. And, and you got to have all the stuff that you need for those meeting rooms. Usually, we have to take them, but and you're better off to take them. What do you end up having to replace the most of? Shoes. From an equipment standpoint, shoes? Yeah. Shoes you have to replace just about every year because of the sweat, mainly. The, the sweat is a lot of damage. I mean, you know, helmets, we recondition, we recondition all our helmets every year. That means they, they go to a certified reconditioner and they're retested to NOXI standards. They have to meet NOXI standards. And the parts are replaced that need to be replaced. They're sandblasted and repainted. The face mask they take and clean all the coating off and strip them down to the metal and then recoat them and re repaint them and redip them. All that stuff's dipped. And and they're replaced up to a point now. If, if they're bent any or cracked any, they they can't replace them. And you want to meet the standards because if you don't, something happens to one of your players. Now you're you're up the creek. I mean you're 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 liable as all get out. You take the liability away from the from the helmet manufacturer and put it in your own hands, which is not a real smart thing to do. So we do that. And I think, I believe that it's coming. It's not going to be next year and it's not going to be the year after, but I, I, pretty soon it's coming that the, you're going to have to get shoulder pads tested too, which I think is a good thing, probably way past due needing to be done. And they and there's a like a you can use a you can only use a helmet for so many years and then you've got to replace it. Of course, they're they're coated and everything's coated and and I think those same things are going to happen with shoulder pads and they should because I mean you talk about sweating shoes now how much sweat yeah. you reckon there is in a pair of shoulder pads. I mean, some days they bring them in here after practice. They're so wet. <laughs> we just, we take them back here and put them on racks and put fans on them. And then we've got we got some drying machines for the shoes and and uh, knee braces and that sort of thing. So, but it's maintaining the equipment. That's pretty. That's very important. And. Uh, that's what we spend most of this time of year doing, looking at. Our helmets have left already to be reconditioned, and uh, most of them, I think, some of the shut helmets hadn't gone yet, but just because the guy hadn't come by here to get them yet. But uh, 
they'll be gone pretty soon, and it, you know they'll hopefully be back pretty pretty quickly. What's the best helmet on the market right now? Ooh. Well, in my estimation, the uh, Rod, uh, you know, Rodell's making the best one. Now, the, I get a lot of arguments from a lot of people saying that, but and they they may be right. I don't know. I, the other thing I've learned with experience is a new helmet or new anything comes out. The best thing you could do is stay away from it the first year. Let them get it in the field for a year, and let's see how it does. Even though they've probably field tested it and everything else, but <clears throat> you know the it just uh, I mean, uh, there's more people are gonna, as it gets on the market, more people are going to wear it, more people are going to buy it, and then then you get a true test of what's really going on. I mean that. Their their tests are controlled, but the actual wearing of it is not controlled, and 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 they'll get the kinks worked out. They'll find problems. You know, hey, we should have done this, should have done that. Need to change this, need to change that. And usually, the second year, third year, you got some, you got some. So, I mean, my advice to new guys is don't don't jump on the first thing coming out of the box because it may be great, but it may not be either. It may be a mistake, you know. Chattanooga joined the Southern Conference in 76, started playing football in 77, I believe. Um, what do you remember from the conversations about joining the Southern Conference to the the move to the conference in those early days? Well, we were, we were glad to be in a conference because at least it gave you something to be playing for. Uh, I think we're probably like anybody else that comes into the, any conference in the USA, anywhere, first first couple of years, you think every call is against you because you're the new guy in town. And uh, they're all – every school is against you because you're the new guy in town, you know. And, I, and, and not just – bragging but you check the record i mean we came in we started winning now they didn't like that at all they thought you know we're supposed to come in and be your damn whipping boy for a while and we weren't (laughs) and so that was you know we had uh, but you know i think the the pluses outweigh the minuses because it 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 is a good conference and and it always has been i think and we were lucky to be in a conference, you know, playing for something. Because, you know, I, I remember the first time we were on ABC regional telecast and those ABC production trucks were up there on Oak Street. Man, I, you go up there and you look at those things, you think, boy, we've made it now. I mean, we're big time. And... uh but that kind of thing's dried up and was gone. So, you, I mean, you had to do something. And we, I think, did the right thing. You've had a front row seat for it. So, I, and it's, look, the, the 
the numbers, the the, the media guide, the will all will all you know tell the story. But you had a front row seat. Um, what happened? What happened there? You know, Joe Morrison had success. Um, Bill Oliver had success, and then after that, we didn't have really sustained success in football for a long time here. And it wasn't that we didn't have good coaches. I, I don't, I don't believe that because look at what some of those guys have done when they left here. Yeah. And I don't believe that we didn't have good players. I mean, I still, uh, you know, I've, I've looked back into the, uh, into the early nineties and, and, and through the eighties, we would send two or three or more guys a year into the league yeah. from here. Yeah. So what was missing? What what happened? Well, in in spending for athletics, you got to keep up with the Joneses, and we didn't. I mean, the university didn't have money running out to Wazoo. They couldn't. I mean, they just couldn't afford to spend money on athletics because they had to, so many other things that had to be done. You know, and as far as getting an education which is what you're really here for you know so we just fell behind on spending and keeping up with the joneses everybody was going up and we weren't going with them i mean let's see when i first came here we we had no weight room period none and that was just the time when people were starting to get weight rooms Coach Morrison went out and got some money from uh, Gordon and uh, some other people here in town that helped uh, get some. We bought some Nautilus equipment, put in a room over there underneath this old stadium, and we started. I mean, uh, honest when we first when I first came to work here, we would hand out the equipment in August and. Take it up when football season was over. Hand it out again in spring. Take it up when spring was over. That's it. Never, I mean, you never necessarily saw the athletes again, unless they were coming down to go to the training room. Uh, there wasn't any summer program. There wasn't any any of that stuff. And other people started doing those things, and and we lagged behind. Now we're we're up where they are. I mean, it, and it make and it's a total difference. There's the improvement in an athlete, or the improvement athletically is is now for what you do now between now and August. Uh, the running, the lifting, getting stronger, getting faster. I mean, working on that every day. That that's the thing that. That made the difference, and, and we just didn't have any of that. Didn't have a strength coach, didn't have weight room, didn't have anything. Could you ever imagine that, or did you ever imagine that locker room meeting with, with Joe Morrison would have turned into what's now been 48 football seasons? No, I, I sure didn't. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, my intentions weren't for that to happen, but it has, and it did, and I'm glad it did. I realize I, it's, I'm going to ask you which it's like picking which of your grandchildren is your favorite, but do you have a favorite moment from your years here? 
Favorite moment. There's there's two that I can think of right off the bat. Uh, the one when we beat Marshall at Chamberlain Field when Tommy West was here, yep. and uh, Terrell made that catch up in that end zone, and we beat them. And they were number one in the nation. They came in here number one in the nation undefeated, and we beat them that night. That's one. And then I think the other time was when we were over in Charlotte and uh, we beat uh, – we won on Sunday against uh, – who was it, Illinois maybe? I'm not sure. can't remember. I think it was Illinois. Mm-hmm. And went to – got into the Sweet 16. That was a pretty big moment. I mean, if you, uh, if you were there, I mean – and you could just kind of watch it all unfold. We were getting some lousy calls, and coach called a timeout, and he got the players in there and said, "Now look, you know, just relax, play your game. We're all right. Everything's gonna be all right." So they went, and then he started chewing on those officials, and he got a technical foul. I think he did it. He did it on purpose, but. And then our kids really started digging, and we started playing like we were capable of playing. And uh, I don't expect there's a lot of people thought we were capable of doing that because we had not had a very good year really up till then, and uh, lost some games early that took people that, geez, should have never been in the building with. Uh, in my opinion, you know, uh, but. That was one of the greatest coaching jobs I believe I've ever seen in my life. Mac, that, that day. I mean, it's unbelievable. Mike, appreciate it. Yeah, glad to. Anytime. We wish Mike a happy retirement and look forward to seeing him at UTC events in the future. This time it will be as a fan. Thanks to Mike for his time, and we thank you for yours. For our producer, Tate Johnson, I'm Chris Goforth. Until next time, saying so long and go Mox. Thanks for listening to Mox on the Mic. Please remember to rate, subscribe, and review. And we'll see you again soon.